All right, and welcome to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits. This is the podcast about all things film, TV, and streaming. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined once again by Letitia Thomas. Hey, how Hello. you doing? How you doing today? Yeah, I'm all right. I've had a weird morning, but that's okay. That's okay. How's yeah. your week been? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, I went and saw Dungeons and Dragons the other night, which oh, was okay. cool. Yeah, um, I wasn't... I mean, I figured I'd watch it on streaming or something eventually, but a friend of mine's like, hey, you want to go see it? And I was like, sure. Yep. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I've heard very good things. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet myself. Well, I'd read sort of online that fans of D&D loved it and people yep. that weren't fans of D&D were like, what is this rubbish? Yeah. Um, obviously, you're going to have that juxtaposition between knowing the content beforehand. And yeah. And I mean, I've never played D&D, but I've had heaps of friends over the years try and get me to join their campaigns and that kind of thing. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't have the time to dedicate to this. But so I kind of understood like the rules of D&D and how each character has specific traits yeah, okay. and how that dictates their role. story ability yeah. and their role in it. So I kind of had an idea of what I was getting into, but I was really surprised and how well executed Yeah, right. it was. It was okay. kind of like, if you know what you're getting into and mm-hmm. And they obviously did. It executed it perfectly. Okay. Yeah. And there was even enough bits that were, I mean, it was kind of, you kind of could guess where it was going. Still like that typical like like, adventure story. Yeah. But there were enough moments where like it sort of hits you emotionally and you're like, no, I don't want like bad things to happen to, you know, whatever. Yeah. Those characters. I I played D&D a little bit, very, very little bit when I was younger early 20s nerd. so I've, uh, i'm such a nerd um i played a little bit i wouldn't say i'm a dnd player there's a bunch of people at work that mm. get together and play it you know weekly week, week in week out so this would probably apply to them going to see that um yeah i was very surprised really enjoyed it so it yeah. was fun worth checking out yeah definitely watch okay. it yeah add it to my list again i think it's still at cinema so i can always go yeah. check it out because there's nothing really on at the moment. We're kind of just waiting for the big ones, which is Guardians 3. and Yeah, it's that time of year where it's sort of... Fast 10. They put a few things on. I know oh, it. Fast the 10. The big ones. Oh, man. So keen. Uh, this week, I ended up watching uh, Creed 2. Ah, I've not seen the first one, but... Have you seen any of the Rockies? I've seen Rocky, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, this one kind of relates more to the fourth Rocky film. Mm-hmm. So the, the we ended up watching the fourth Rocky film beforehand. So I caught a glimpse at the end of that when my housemate had it on at home. I got home from work and it was like watching Rocky for I'm like, this is fantastic. It's one long montage, one long sporting montage. He's versing a Russian, Ivan Drago. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's other things that happen. Anyway, that one relates to Creed 2 mm-hmm. because the story of the fourth one, Ivan Drago kills Apollo Creed in the film uh, during one of the boxing matches and... Creed, that's his dad. That's Creed's dad, yeah. um, Donnie Creed, um, in the current film. Anyway, his son, uh, Ivan's son, is now a boxer. And it's basically like a rematch. Like, Rocky's there to train him, but also Ivan's training his son. And it's kind of like the rivalry and, and all that jazz. It was pretty good. I quite enjoyed it, um, knowing full well that it's, you know, it's a boxing film yeah, it has all the same tropes as all the other Rocky films. We should um we should do one down the line just on like sports films, but ones that we particularly so, like. Because yeah. I'm not like a big sports fan in the sense of like you know I, I played no. sport as a kid and whatnot, but I'm not really into it. But there's a couple of really good sports films that I think Cool Runnings. Yeah, Cool Runnings. That is one of the best. Sanka, you dead? Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's my lucky egg. 
It's so good. I, I, I remember seeing that count. Now. We could quote that for days. Yeah. Um, I watched that when I was like five or something oh, at like man. daycare. I think I was one. like 10 and mum was like, hey, you got to watch this movie. Yeah. And it's so much fun. And then there's a ride at Disney that I think it's like one of their oldest rides in yeah. like the Anaheim Park. Yeah. And it's basically like a bob. It's you're in bobsled. Bob it goes like around this mountain. Kind of it is super old, but yeah, man, right. I think it was like the most fun I had all day. It was just sketchy. just keep going back on that. I mean, we did it once because the lines are long, but yeah, fair enough. I was like, I'm in cool runnings. I'm in cool runnings. Yeah. Excellent. Um, that's basically it this week. I mean, we delve deep into the movie that we're going to dissect later on in this episode. Yeah. I watched that as well, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I'll get into a bit of housekeeping. Um, talk about some feedback that we got from this week's like last week's episode, mm-hmm. um, we're still getting consistent listeners, which is amazing. I appreciate that. We thank you so much for, for, for still sticking with us throughout episode two and hopefully this episode as well. It's very nice. It's a bit heartwarming actually. It is. It means, you know, we're actually making a difference, I guess, or people are listening to us. You've come back. You've um, come back. Yeah. I have to go back, Kate. Lost, lost yeah, reference I there. Yeah, I thought it would be, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, so a little bit of feedback we got from a few people was, uh, well, shout out George, who's, um, you know, one of my friends at work thank you george thank you george um yeah he just made a few suggestions about like the actual sound quality of the room um which is you know definitely important for these things so i've put down a, a bit of a, a dampener on the desk so hopefully it doesn't sound as tinny next uh, this episode when yeah. you listen to it look we're doing our best guys we want to make yeah. it better for you because you're listening so thank you a little bit of feedback as well was have a jingle at the start like when we have the intro, mm-hmm. have a little bit of a music jingle and maybe if we start a new segment, put it in between as well. So we're going to be working on that. Maybe not next week, but it's in the pipeline. Alrighty, we're going to have Shannon sing the jingle. Yeah. Yep. Not going to now, but uh, well, I'm, no. I'm, I'm penning it at the moment. All right. Yeah. He's working on it. Working on it. Um, I do want to shout out my friend Kieran who uh, texted me throughout the week for a suggestion of one of the episodes. Ooh. Uh, just a, an absolute deep dive into The Simpsons, but instead of just me doing it, we get a few people call in about their experiences with particular Simpsons episodes and their, their, you know when they grew up with The Simpsons, what their experiences were like. So I've got a few people I know who are also massive fans of the show. Um, so maybe an episode when maybe you're not available, I can just do it solo and get a few people to call in. Yeah. We'll and we can, um, we can just really break down... The yeah, absolutely wonderful show that The Simpsons is. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Karen, for that one. And thank you for listening. That is yeah, very much appreciated. Yeah. Alrighty. We thought we'd do a bit of Hollywood news this week. Uh, first things first, Kung Fu Panda is getting a fourth installment. This time, Poe is looking for a Dragon Warrior replacement. New villain Chameleon can summon villains from Poe's past. Yes, I read about this one when you shot it through the news to me. I was like, oh, okay. Did you like my little newsreader voice? I, I did. Tried. That was very well done. You should be on Channel 9. I, I, I need a lot more rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just relearn I've worked lines. with some of those guys. Lines. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I've only seen the first one. I only remember seeing the first one. I think I've probably seen the second one. Maybe the third one, uh, but I don't remember them yeah. too much. Yeah. Worth a rewatch before four, I would say. I might go and watch yeah. all of the Kung Fu Panda films. They're very popular. They're fun. They're very popular. They're fun. He's a panda. Jack Black does a wonderful job at that. Um, I think that's his wheelhouse, to be honest, is, is picking particular characters that are, you know, outlandish, um, wild, and very big. So He does it well. He does it very well. Um, speaking on the back of that... Um, <laughs> Jack Black is in the Super Mario Brothers movie, um, which at the moment has currently made $921 million at the box office and is looking to um, set across the billion-dollar mark before it leaves cinemas, which is absolutely insane for an animated film in this current like climate. I think it's just wild. 
That's uh, crazy. I haven't seen it yet. but I have, and I will say it's one of the funnest films I've seen in a long time. Like, oh. I'm a fan of the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. I'm a gamer. I've played Nintendo for years. I had a 64 when I was like, I had eight. a 64. Oh, well, there you go. Um, I didn't have the console long. Mum got rid of it before I could remember it. Thanks, Mum. Thanks, Mum. Cheers. Um, yeah, so it, it um, keeps to the, you know, the the heart of mm-hmm. the Nintendo characters and it's a really good story. It's really punchy. It's only 92 minutes long, so it doesn't like drag it out. It's really good for kids to keep their attention. It's colorful. It's really well written. And honestly, the, the voice acting is on par. Like, like it's really good. Chris Pratt, you don't even notice it's Chris Pratt, to be honest. Like he does a really good job. I know there's all that criticism about picking him for the role of like Mario. Cause he's like, you know, so stereotypical Italian plumber. You're mm-hmm. expecting that, you know, that accent to be like, on on there and all that but um no he does a wonderful job and obviously jack black being bowser he just steals the show it's it's phenomenal uh speaking of which he he's he wrote a song in the movie called peaches based on the song beaches and it's they're saying that it could be up for like i don't know an academy award for best original song for the next year or something it's it's wild it's really good i have to watch this movie now yeah you have to it's very good uh, in other news, Amber Heard is reprising her role as Mera in the new Aquaman film. I haven't seen any of them. There's but only we'll see one, how, so that's... Yeah, well, there's one. Uh, we'll see how it goes, considering all the, you know, she's oh. not popular in no, well, people's I looked, opinions. I looked into this one when, when we were going to speak about it in the news. So I think, obviously, filming takes place... It would have been quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this took place before or after the... Um, the trial that obviously that very famous trial that happened between her and Johnny Depp. Um, yeah, I think the filming would have done, taken place essentially before that all kind of came about. Um, and I guess the studio just kind of doubled down on just keeping her in the film, probably cost too much to recast after the fact. I think I looked somewhere, there was an article about they might have reduced her scenes, like retweaked a couple of them just to kind of have less of her character in it. Um, but essentially they're just saying that, oh, no, we rewrote it because her character is less important for the second film. It's more about Aquaman and someone else in the movie. They're going to, it's more of a buddy kind of film between those two rather than her being in it. So I don't know if they're just kind of doing a PR thing with that, but essentially she's still in it. I don't think it's going to make any difference to the film. I don't think so. I mean, it's like you said, it's an Aquaman film. It's an Aquaman film. It's not, their personal lives don't always dictate what they do on screen. No. And I think, Um, yeah. It's been times past and, I don't know. That whole thing was a mess. I didn't really get into the trial too much. I didn't look into so, it too much. I mean, I saw a couple of the memes and yeah. TikToks and that, like, which you know were what? hilarious, but also it wasn't. It's These people had personal lives and um, it not, got publicized. None of my business. You know, whatever. Do yeah. what you want. Yeah. So CinemaCon ended up happening over the last week. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it ran from Monday to Thursday last week in April. Um, a bunch of different trailers came out and a lot of announcements came out of that one. Uh, in particular, the Equalizer 3 got a trailer and an announcement, which um, if you're a fan of basically anything like John Wick, uh, those films are very similar. It's got Denzel Washington in it as like an ex-CIA agent who's basically – Something happens in the first film, he's trying to help out someone and then goes on a revenge kind of situation there. Um, the second one's much the same, but yeah, the action's very stylized, very gritty, very gory. Uh, it's very good. So the trailer came out for that one. It looks like he's retired into, he's gone to Italy or something mm-hmm. in this one. And yeah, it's he's it's essentially looking after the city or the town he's staying in right. because they look like some terrorists are trying to take it over. So he's protecting them. So yeah. That got announced. Speaking of Italy, mm. um, there's another film, like my little segue, um, yeah. that's coming out in September, A Haunting in Venice, and it's another one of the Poirot, like, um, 
mysteries. Yeah. Um, it looks really fun. More of a horror than sort of a murder mystery yeah. like the Death on the Nile. Yeah. Um, but I'm very keen to see it. I love Death on the Nile. I love I haven't both seen them. the Orient Express one yet. They're on the Orient Express. Yeah. Yeah. They're both really good. They're both um you know, murder mystery mm-hmm. uh, based on Agatha Christie novels. Um but I, I think they're great. I think they're very well done. Poirot is great. Um, and this he's in this one again, but, yeah, it's definitely taking the um, style of a horror this time. And it's got Michelle Yeoh in it. It looks looks fantastic. If you haven't seen the trailer, check it out. Go and watch it. It's yeah. really cool. A Haunting in Venice. Haunting so Just got announced Venice. as well. And then also there is a little kind of teaser trailer come out of CinemaCon for June Part 2. Mm. So that was a huge powerhouse of a film when that came out. For part one, I thought it was fantastic. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I like to describe Dune for people that don't know what it's about. It's sort of like Star Wars with the fun sucked out and replaced with intellect. That is um, absolutely apt. Yeah. it's Very correct. If you're into sci-fi in that yep. way, it's brilliant. I enjoyed it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not big on Timothy Chalamet, so I was like, whatever. Um, yeah, and look- it's kind of the fact that I think the bit for me that I was like, oh, man leads it's a film that leads up essentially to the sequel more than anything else so i was like oh it took us this long to get to the really interesting stuff and then it was like oh go wait a year and a half interesting that they um broke the film up at that point because i've seen the original like 1980s version uh, I think David Lynch wrote. yeah he did one one. of them yeah um and it's very cheesy it's very early sci-fi-esque um special effects and I think that's about three hours, that one in particular. But I've watched that and the f- there's a different point in the film that you could have broken this one up into. And it's just interesting that they picked much later because the difference between that film and this film, uh, the one in 1980, whatever, it only has about like 20, 30 minutes left in that film left of what would be part two in this film. Right. So they're essentially just kind of going to draw it out, probably extend certain scenes and stuff and really develop characters that are not basically in the film yet. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with part two. Yeah, I'm keen to see it because I, like, I really enjoyed it. But also, like, I was like, okay, well, now I don't want to wait. Like, you give me it all, basically, yeah. which is just selfish as a yeah. viewer. But Not too bad. I do? think it's been two years. Well, it'll be two years by the time it comes out in December, I think, between the two movies, yeah, which is so. not too bad. No, I it's think. sort That's of standard, standard for a big film like that. Yeah. And then we've got um, the Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke uh Queer Western film, Strange Way of Life. Yeah, I got mean, a trailer. It's sort of like I didn't know we needed another Brokeback, but we're getting one. We so. are getting a no, Western cool. Brokeback Mountain. And uh, if you haven't check out the trailer for it, Strange Way of Life. It's um, very kind of surreal, very different to what any kind of trailer I've ever seen before. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm I'm excited for it. It looks kind of interesting. Yeah, Pedro Pascal's everywhere at the moment. Yeah, uh, with the Mandalorian and Last of Us. Mm-hmm. which is, you know, absolutely gone gangbusters in the past month, like couple of months. But, yeah, so he's everywhere. And also Ethan Hawke, same thing. He's had a huge resurgence yeah, lately. Yeah, he's sort of come back to the films that he likes because he did the um, Moon Knight for Marvel for yes, a while. Yes, he did. Because uh, his daughter, the famous Maya Hawke, was like, hey, Dad, if you're going to shit on these things, maybe go be in one yeah. first. So uh, he did, and uh, I guess he still doesn't love it because he's back to doing his, yeah. like, indies, which, honestly, I respect. That's fine. That's more his wheelhouse. Yeah. Like, he likes to do, obviously. Mm-hmm. He did the Black Phone recently. Yeah, that well, was good. I didn't film. mind it. Mm. Um, I think sometimes people want things to be masterpieces all the time and they don't always have to be. So I yeah. enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's all our news for uh, this week so far. 
Um, we'll get a little uh, jingle in there too for you. Yeah, next we'll time. get a little segue jingle into our next segment. <laughs> yeah, a news segment seg- uh, segue. Um, but we're going to mix it up this week, so we're going to do a bit of a bit of trivia. We're going to test each other on a little bit of knowledge, just for a bit of fun, and see what we're uh, see what we like, see what we know, and uh, see what you guys know at home. Yeah, have, have a guess before we kind of guess in. Um, I've got three questions for you. One's mm-hmm. based on one's based on your favourites that you kind of spoke about last week. Oh, cool. I know. Cool. So I'm hoping you'll know this one. It's It should be an easy one for you. Okay. So first question. What was Natasha Leone's character's name in Russian Doll? Uh, Nadia Volvikov, which she uses that because she liked Nadia Komenichi, this gymnast in like the 80s. Yeah. Um, so she stole part of that and then made it Russian but with Volva in it. That's fantastic. That's great. That's and you are correct, by the way. Oh, I've so seen it I would a hope, lot. Yeah, yeah, I would hope yeah. you've got that one. That was the first one. I, I picked trivia I'd... for you, but I made it a lot harder. So. Oh, we'll see what we oh, go. I didn't know how hard you were going to make it for me. Well, I've got some other ones that okay. will, you might – no, I reckon you'll get all three. Okay, am I going to do mine? Okay. Yeah. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, I've, I've put you on the spot I've now. I've got one. It's a Lost-related for you. Oh, good. Um, I should be able to get this. I have no idea what any of this means either, so yeah. I'm hoping that we'll see. you're in it. Yeah. The list was a matter of concern since the others used them way back in season one. When the list of candidates was found in season six, where was it? It was in a cave and in a lighthouse. This is impressive. You've got more information. I, my answer from the internet was on the walls and roof of a cave and then it has some big explanation, but you've yeah, got it. So It was a cave, yeah. There's an episode where I think Sawyer and what is supposed to be John Locke, but as the man in black go down into the cave and they see the names, the names are representative of what would be the replacement for Jacob. The Jacobs, the essentially the guardian of the island. I'm going to stop right there because I I'm pissing myself <laughs> laughing because I'm just like, oh, we've just outed ourselves as the biggest film nerds in these two questions. I know. Oh, and we just needed one bit we, of information. That's and we it. Just and we went just on. we just went deep, didn't we? Yeah. All right. So okay. We'll move on. Uh, second question. It's not relating to anything of your favourites, but I picked this one anyway. Hopefully, you know it. it's a classic. Okay. Um, what is the name of the camp where counselors are terrorized by a slasher in Friday the Thirteenth? Hmm. <laughs> Have you seen any of them? I have. Yes. I watched them. I think I first watched it at school and then I watched it like later. And honestly, I can't remember. You'll tell me and I'll go, oh, yeah. You will straight but away. I've got no idea. Camp Crystal Lake. Oh, there you go. That's yep. it. It's yep. the one that's right I, in the back of your brain. I need to watch a lot more of them, I think, because yep. I did a couple years back. I did a, like Halloween month in October and I just yep. watched a bunch of horror stuff. So. I need to watch more because yeah. I kind of just was like, okay, I'll watch the first of this and I'll watch the first of that yeah. and I'll watch the first of this just so I got a general well, With Friday the 13th, I would watch part one and two because mm. it, it basically takes form after part two because that's when Jason comes into it. Alrighty. He's not in the first one, it's his mother. It's his, it is his mother. Okay, yeah. I'm going to read – I found some movie trivia cards, so I'm going to read off that for you. That's okay. Um, <laughs> what character does Tom Hanks voice in Toy Story? Woody. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. These are kind of easy, but that's, that's okay. Right. That's good. It's this fun. is fun. It okay. shows that I'm, I actually do know some movies. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the third one I've come up with, uh, what movie is this quote from? What's in the box? I have no idea. You'll know it probably when I say it. Yeah. It's uh, Seven. I've never seen Seven. You've never seen, oh my God. You have to watch I, that this week. I'm not, like no other film, like, yeah, watch it, watch it. Watch Seven this week. Okay. I'm Trust good. I've me. I've heard a lot about it. It's it one is that I should. Amazing. Okay, I've yeah. got one more for you, and I'm doing terribly. Oh, these are easy. Let's find a hard one. Okay, for sure. Try and find a hard one. Um, um, that way, I, or otherwise, I can speak about Lost a little bit more if you want. In the meantime, just to distract you from. Okay, the this is a fun one, and I don't know if you'll know it, but that's all right. Which superstar of Charlie's Angels was high school friends with Snoop Dogg? This is the '90s one, by the way. Oh, so the one. Like oh, 2000s. yeah. Okay. Um, there's only three options. It's 
Drew Barrymore? Mm-mm, it was Cameron Diaz. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, I had three options. He I knew three. all three actresses, so I just took a gamble on that. How are they friends? <sighs> they went to Childhood high friends? Oh, they must have gone to yeah, the same high school. High school. Yeah, yeah. High school. okay. I didn't read the – I just heard Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I heard Charlie's Angels and Snoop, Snoop Dogg and took a guess. That's cool. All right, maybe all right. we will move on. That was fun. It was I, uh, really fun. Look, I think we should do a little bit more of that every now and then. I think so. So this week we decided to uh, – Take one for the team. And uh, D, we watched Shutter Island and we're going to break it down for you. We did. We we watched Shutter Island um, off the back of mum not quite understanding what the film's about. So we thought we'd, we'd, uh, we'd break it down, um, the key elements, to try and explain the film. I mean, it is kind of a weird one. It's not the most straightforward film out no. there. No. Well, it's, it's, a, it's directed by Martin Scorsese. So it's not his usual style of film that he usually makes. Um, it was released back in February of 2010. Mm-hmm. And it is based on a book by, is it Leda Caligulris? Uh, I'm going to believe that's how you pronounce it. And if we're wrong, we're really sorry. Yeah, it's, it's based on a book um, written back, I think, in 2003. Mm-hmm. He's also written um, a different book that was made into a movie, Mystic River. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I think was an Academy Award winning film in around 2002, roughly. Don't hold me to that, but I think it was. So, yeah, he's written a few books that have been made into well, films. He wrote the film. Layla. Oh. She, she wrote the film. Yeah, okay. Um, it was Dennis Lehane who wrote the book in 2003. Yes, my bad. Yeah, no, but that's yeah, okay. Got the f- names mixed up, um, but yes, yeah. okay. I found it interesting given that it's a Scorsese film because it's sort of, it's different from his grittier stuff that he started with, with, you know, Mean Streets, Goodfellas, and of course, Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did another one. It was the one with Jody, you know, young Jodie Foster and she goes, weird, weird, weird. Uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. There you That's go. You just one. reminded yourself. And um, there's a line in it where he goes, we don't even have a piano in here. And it's just <laughs> fantastic. But um, yeah, he sort of does his grittier crime stuff originally. Yeah. And then he sort of went on to do a few things. He's done a bunch of different stuff. So now. it's not kind of a typical film, but then in the sense of that recently he's come out and sort of been like, yeah, Marvel films aren't cinema. And he sort of doubled down on it. And yeah. in that sense, it is kind of one of his typical films if you want to look at yeah. how he views the craft of cinema and you know yeah. Hollywood pictures and that kind of thing. So I guess the base base plot of this film is it's a story of two US Marshals, uh, Teddy and Chuck. Oh yeah, we're going to spoil this as well. If oh, anyone yes. doesn't gonna, know, go gonna, watch the film, come back, listen to our podcast. Yeah, maybe if you want to stop it there, we're going to have major spoilers for this film. There, uh, towards the, the ending, there's some stuff that happened. Anyway, the, it's the story of two US Marshals, uh, Teddy and Chuck, who are played by Leonardo DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo. Uh, they are summoned to a remote island off the coast of Massachusetts to investigate the mysterious disappearance of a patient on the island um, who has escaped from the fortress-like hospital uh, for the criminally insane. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it starts off um, with uh, those two on a boat, on a ferry towards the island, and uh, they head to the island and they basically are there to investigate where where this particular person has gone. Mm-hmm. And from there, it just kind of unravels uh, from there. So basically the main character, there's two of them, but the main character is basically Teddy. Yeah, it's Teddy. And then he's got Chuck, uh, Mark Ruffalo, who sort of hangs off him essentially. He's yeah. his sort of offsider. Yeah, he's supposed to be really. the other US Marshal, but he's the offsider. He's, he's, everything's directed less at him and more at DiCaprio. Yeah. And throughout the course of the film... Leonardo DiCaprio is basically trying to uncover a conspiracy that's on the island, but essentially it ends up being something very different from there. So yeah. it's it's an interesting film. I really enjoyed it. Um, when it came out, it was two thousand and ten, 
So I was still in high school. Yeah. And I remember friends talking about it being like, oh, um, you've got to watch Shutter Island. And like, obviously I never got around to it, yeah. but um, I watched it this week and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as mm. well. So for me, I watched it at the cinema back in 2010. Um, I went with a friend. We just saw it was one of the things on at the time. It seemed like, a, you know, a thriller mystery movie. I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I'd be definitely interested in. So I went and saw that, but I have not seen it since then. So when I went and rewatched it this time around, I went in knowing the ending, ending, of, yeah. um, and then I could look into the clues throughout the film. Yeah, see, I went into it super blind, so I, I enjoyed it and I wasn't sure when I first started watching it how it was going to go because I'm watching it in 2023, right? And yeah. it was filmed in 20, or 2009, 2010, and then it's based on a book from 2003. So yeah. the way that we looked at mental health it was yeah. very different because they're on an island with criminally insane yeah. prisoners slash patients depending how you want to look at it um and leo's character comes in very much being like these guys are crazy mm. and so you feel this apprehension which later you it ends up being something different but as a viewer you're watching it sort of being sort of afraid of these patients that are mm. criminally insane. Yeah, he's very dismissive towards the start, towards them. Yeah, and I think it's important to note as well, before we get too much into this, mm. that Leonardo DiCaprio's character, um, and I'm just going to use it that way for people who haven't, mm. aren't familiar with the character name so much. Well, we should just say it. His yeah. name is um, Teddy... What is it? Teddy, Teddy Daniels. So Teddy Daniels. Edward, Edward Daniels is his uh, US mm-hmm. Marshal name. Uh, he goes by Teddy. Teddy. So if we say Teddy film. throughout the film. Um, and he's an unreliable narrator. So yes. we're looking at it through his eyes, but it's important to note that he's not a reliable narrator in the sense that like you can't entirely trust what he's experiencing, which I thought was interesting. And he's a character that very much, even to begin with, he's plagued by these traumas in his yeah. past. So he was a he was a soldier, so he'd done World War Two and he um Liberated one That's of the um, Nazi Dachau. Yeah, yeah. Dachau, the one of the war camps. And he keeps sort of having this vision, flashback, whatever you want to call it, yeah. of him liberating the camp. But there's like a little girl in a pile of bodies. Yeah. And he's always like, I'm sorry, I couldn't save you. And he yeah. sort of talks to her character who's sort of animated. Basically um, talking to him, but dead. Yeah, a lot in it. So there's that trauma. And then yeah. it's compounded by another one. Which is his wife's death. His wife's death. Well, she got murdered and set yeah. alight essentially yeah from the yeah. from the from the beginning he kind of mentions to his partner that he's his wife has passed um she was killed in a fire mm-hmm. um and the the second reason he's on the island besides investigating the disappearance of um rachel solando who's the escaped um patient yep. he's also looking for another um inpatient called andrew lattice mm-hmm. um, or latest i think latest yep. latest um and he's the one who lit the fire to kill the wife. Yeah, and it's important to remember, that, like the way that uh, Teddy looks at this is he gets he sort of he feels immense guilt because if he'd got home a little bit earlier, he yeah. could have saved his wife. Is yeah, his you know trauma around the grief of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At the start, I will say during this time while they're on the island, there is a storm happening. Mm-hmm. The so hurricane. The hurricane. Uh, that takes place basically on the first night they get there. They have an argument with the particular um, doctor. Um, they were like, no, this is ridiculous. I, You're not giving me enough information. Because they kind of like withhold information from giving it to him. And it just seems like 
they're, hot, they're secrets. They're not letting me have all the information. This is ridiculous. And they try to, like, he tries to leave on the first night, essentially, mm-hmm. get back to the ferry, but it's there's a hurricane. He's kept there, essentially. So he has to keep investigating. Yeah, and they get there and they have their weapons and they're told, give us your weapons. And they're like, ah, no, but we're US Marshals. We keep our weapons. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're, you're in our sort of in facility. Our yeah. Give me your weapons. So he has to give away his gun and then Chuck sort of fumbles with his yeah. when he's giving it back, which is important later on. And we'll get into we'll that. We'll get to that. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So he essentially goes down a rabbit hole of trying to investigate the disappearance of Rachel. Mm-hmm. He finds a note in her room um, that reads, uh, the law of four, who is 67. Mm-hmm. And at the time of when you get the note, you have no idea what that means. Um, and nor does he either, which no. is important. Because we're seeing it through his his perspective. Eyes, yeah. It's all through his perspective. So uh, as he investigates, it comes through later on with um, a conversation later. Once he he walks into a, a board meeting with all the doctors and that, and they're discussing about like, oh, the hurricanes, it's an issue. Like we need to move some of the patients. There's 42 in this block. There's 22 or so, whatever in the other block, which adds up to 66. He mm-hmm. works that out and then he, he re- rem- remembers the note. And he's like, 66 like you i've added those two 67 obviously rates to how many patients you've yep. got so who is the 67th patient yeah there's a patient missing and yeah. that's a big it's a big plot point while. later he ends up trying to investigate further the hurricane makes everything worse on the island it is a destruction of basically most of the buildings and cell block c where the worst of the worst criminally insane are kept is basically open so he kind of goes in and tries to investigate in there and he meets up with one of the other patients that are proper locked up in there. And one that particular patient kind of says something to him that really sparks a break in his reality. Essentially, it's all for you. Mm. You're like a rat in a maze. This is a game. And it starts to kind of unravel from there that maybe what's going on in this island isn't exactly what he thinks it is. Yeah, nothing is sort of as it seems at that point. But I think it's important to remember while you're watching it, regardless of what the truth is from an outsider perspective, everything that he's experiencing is true to his relativity. So that's kind of how you have to look at it to understand it and not get too confused when you're watching it. Yes. It's it's his truth, whether it's the truth is a different thing. displayed on screen. Like everything you see is there because that's what he is experiencing in his head, in his mind. This is what's here. Um, And it starts to unravel from that point particularly because he starts to question everything because he says – who's your partner? He's like, oh, yeah, I've got a partner here. He's like, um, have you met him before? No, no, I met him on the way here. Yeah. I bet they gave you a partner, like, kind of situation where it's like, yeah, yeah it's and all part of the game. And this in a cell and he goes, what happened to you? Who did this to you? Because he's got, like, cuts or bruises yeah, or something been, on his, his face. bruises on his face. And he sort of looks at him and goes, you did this to me. Yeah. And that is another thing that sort of unravels yeah. it for Teddy because he's like, well, no, I didn't do this for you. I've got to go find Laters who killed my wife. Yeah. What's the go? But suddenly – he feels like a rat in a cave in, in, or a maze yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he decides, what is he, is it, is it at that point that he decides to go to the cliff? So, yeah, he goes to the cliff yeah. from there and then he's trying to get into, there's a lighthouse on the island. That's right. He's told that they are getting lobotomized in yeah. the lighthouse. So he's yeah. like, I need to go find out what the heck is going on in yeah. this lighthouse. So yeah, he makes the decision. experiments essentially. Yeah. And uh, Chuck goes with him to a point. Yeah. And then he's like, hey, it's going to get dark. We're not going to run through this sort yep. of insane debris in the dark. That would be suicide. Yep. Um, and Teddy goes, you can go back, Chuck. I don't give. I'm going. I need to find out what's happening in yep. this lighthouse. 
And then he goes to the lighthouse. It turns out it's high tide, so he can't get across to the lighthouse because it's between a segment Uh of water. Water will come up a lot when we talk about the themes of this film a bit later. Um, So he doubles back to where they were standing, him and Chuck. And and suddenly Chuck's not there. And he goes, Chuck, where where are you? Where have you gone? He looks over a cliff and what appears to be Chuck's body at the bottom of the cliff. Looks like he fell down. Looks like he fell and sort of killed himself, whatever. Um, Which sends... Teddy's spiraling because yeah. his partner, who he's sort of distrusting at this point but still needs, yeah. is suddenly seemingly dead. So he's like scurrying down the cliffs and yeah. then he gets to the bottom and suddenly there's no body. There's no body. And it's at this point that you realise, oh, man, we can't trust his perspective perspective because yeah. his reality is just it's all over the place. And before that we've seen sort of these odd – He's having a lot of dreams of his dead yeah. wife. Um, there's the bit about the scientist who's like German and he's got a thing about that because of the – no, he's not German. He's – Yeah. German? Yeah, the yeah, one he's that German, he meets halfway yep. – yeah. There's German. just all these different things that he's – when you see him looking at these people that seem a bit off coming up to this point in the film. Um, but, yeah, he gets down there. There's no body – he finds a cave. He finds a cave. Yeah. Sort so he of go, a fire in a he, cave. He finds a fire in a cave down near the cliff face and he goes, oh, okay. He goes and checks that out. He finds um, what would be the real Rachel Solando mm-hmm. um, and he, he goes, oh, okay, so what are you doing here? And she's like, I'm not a patient. Well, I was a patient because I was a doctor. I was a psychiatrist as one of the hospital staff members. Yes, yeah. and he, she goes, no one leaves this island once you get there. Yeah. She starts asking him sort of questions like, "Hey, have you eaten your? Have you eaten any food? Have, have you, you taken any pills? Cigarettes? Oh God, tell me you're smoking your own cigarettes, which yeah. he's not because they took them off him. Yeah, and so suddenly he's under the impression that he's been poisoned, and that's why he's getting these tremors yeah. and the the visions and the visions and all this kind of thing because yeah. he thinks that they're poisoning them to get a different reality. All these patients are under a different reality through drugs, yeah. and that then they're getting taken to be lobotomized, and it's another essentially. Nazi Auschwitz That's situation. What he thinks yeah. is happening on this island, it's the US version of experimental. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, the same as what the Nazis. And were doing. she goes, "Hey, have you had any trauma in your life?" And he goes, "Well, yeah, like my wife. They the pick war. people like that. Yeah. They pick people that aren't that the people at the outside world can go. Yeah, it's no wonder he cracked. Essentially, yeah, exactly. is what they say. Yeah. Um, so after that conversation with her, he ends up going back up the cliff and back towards where the buildings are. He gets found by the. Um, it's like the marshal or something mm. or like or the actual That's island right, marshal. Yeah. And he transports him back to the buildings essentially. And when he walks back into the buildings, he's very confused. Everyone's like looking at him really weirdly. And he talks to the main doctor on the island who's played by Ben, ben Kingsley, who's fantastic in the film because he Everyone plays a very neutral great. role. And yeah. for your perspective, you're like, I don't know if he's good or bad at that point. Yeah, you're not sure because he's – not presenting sort of one way or another, yeah. but he seems kind enough that yeah. you want to trust him, but you're not sure you're if not he can. You're not sure, especially from Teddy's perspective. And then Ben Kingsley goes, you you never came with a partner. You came alone. And then that really breaks the fabric of Teddy's reality. From there he goes, like from having that conversation with the doctor, he essentially goes, no, I need to know what's going on in the lighthouse. So he literally legs it out of there blows up a car to distract everyone mm-hmm. from that and then he And he sees his dead wife too at that point. Yeah, he sees his dead wife he has quite to a few times. Learn the at film. that moment. So we sort of we'll go back into it a bit deeper when we yeah. talk about his trauma, but 
is at that moment with the car that he has to make the decision to let her go and yep. to get over this guilt that he's been carrying yep. for her death. Yeah. Yep. So the car blows up. He goes to the lighthouse. He knocks a guard out and then climbs the lighthouse all the way to the top and he opens the room and who's sitting there is the character of Ben Kingsley. Yeah, and there's nothing else in this lighthouse. Nothing. There's nothing going on. There's no medical stuff. It's just an empty lighthouse with Ben Kingsley in his tiny little office at the top. Yeah. yeah. Essentially, he's like, what is this? Where is everyone? Where are all the experiments happening? And then this is where the massive revelation of the film comes, mm-hmm. where Ben Kingsley goes, this is all in your head, basically. He just goes, everything you've, everything up until this point, you've made up. And he... He has a sign next to him behind him, Ben Kingsley, where he rips down like the, 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 the blanket that's over it. And his name is actually an anagram of the person who he's trying to find. So Edward Daniels is an anagram of Andrew Latus, mm-hmm. who's the person he's trying to look for this yeah. whole time. And uh, also Rachel Solando, the person he's looking for, is an anagram of what his wife's name is, which is Dolores Chanel. Yeah, it's it's at that point you're kind of like, whoa, what? Well, yeah, and that's on. kind of what he's doing where yeah. his reality has just been completely shattered Yeah, and he's trying to put the pieces together. So yeah. essentially it's that he was put in there inpatient. Yeah. It sort of reveals what really yeah. has been going on. And there's stuff throughout it with... Yeah, he's been there for two years. Yeah, but what's the stuff before this about the children? There was something to do with the children that we heard earlier, something about some sick serial killer wanted to put the kids on at the table or something like that. Yeah, so cuz I can't I can't Rachel remember Rachel Solando, exactly. the one that he fabricated That's in right. his mind, the she drowned the kids yeah. and then she put them at the dinner table before a, a neighbor came over that's and that's it. when she got discovered. Yeah. That's when you discover that in fact the real story about his actual wife is he was a US marshal mm-hmm. um, under the name Andrew Lattis. He comes home from a doing a job on the road. He has a drink and he goes, Dolores, where are you? Like he's calling out Dolores, yeah, Dolores, trying Dolores. trying to find his wife. And he goes out the back patio, which is overlooking a lake. And she's on the swing and it looks like she's heavily intoxicated and she's dripping wet. And, yeah. and a quote that runs throughout the film three or four times is, baby, why are you all wet? Yeah, because whenever he sees her in his visions, even though she died in a fire, which we see for a moment, she's, she's dripping, dripping wet. wet. Yeah. And she walks over to him and... They hug and then he goes, hang on, where are the kids? And she goes, they're at school. And he goes, baby, it's a Saturday. They're not they're at, school. at school. And she goes, they're at my school. And yep. then it pans over to the, the lake. lake. Yeah. And the children are in the lake. Face down. She's, they're drowned. She's drowned them. And, you know, it. he sort of just runs into the lake and he's he's picking his he's kids. He's distraught. He's he this three kids and he drag two boys and the girl and he drags them yep. out of the lake, lays, lays them, them down. down. And he's with the little girl and he's just trying to get her – to wake up and what's interesting in that in that the reality the little girl is the same little girl he was seeing at Dachau yeah and she's in it throughout in in visions being like you know you could have saved me dad kind of thing um and 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 that's sort of what what breaks him and then he his wife's like you know it's okay it's okay we can we can put them at the dinner table table, we can we can put the clothes on we can dry them off and and he sort of knows in that moment oh my wife's deeply unwell yeah there's probably been signs for a long time and he just didn't want to look at it and i think he moved them out to the lake yeah so originally she tried to commit suicide Mm -hmm. in their previous house by lighting the house on fire which is why that part of the story is integral as well because 
she tried to commit suicide before. He kind of dismissed the signs of her mental health issues. And this film's set in the 50s too, by the way. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. So he moves him out to the lake house and in the end he realises that she's too far, gone. too far gone and he ends up shooting her. Yeah. Shoots her in the stomach um, and lays her down next to the three kids. Um, and that's how you get that flashback when he's in the lighthouse or like the, not flashback, essentially the reality yeah. of it. And then he it comes back in and he's realising everything that's happened on the island is his fabrication to avoid the guilt of what's happened. Like it's too yeah, much it's, for him. So he's gone into this sort of, yeah, like he's created false this reality. False reality um, and where he's, a, he's the hero. He's the hero and you have, but yeah, it's sort of at that moment he's realising what's happening and that's it. You've got the doctor, Ben Kingsley, saying to him, Didn't, don't you think this is weird? You suddenly show up on a boat, you've had the run of the island and what it was is the other people in charge of sort of the medical facility, mm-hmm. like on the board or whatever it is, they want to lobotomize him because yeah. they're like, he's this not getting last chance better. And they said, we convinced the board, let you have the run of the eye and let you sort of Feel, live this false live this fantasy. And then you'll realise how false it is. Yeah. And then maybe you can come back to yourself. And he goes, okay, doctor, I like I, I come to terms yeah. with that, that kind of it's thing. And he goes, you've done this before nine months ago. Yeah. But then you slipped back. Yeah. It's yeah. at this point where also someone else comes in the room, which is also, it's his ex-partner, mm-hmm. Chuck. It's, he's not dead. He's not getting lobotomized. He's actually his primary doctor mm-hmm. of Teddy's. He actually plays a dual character as well, Lester Sheenan. And Lester Sheenan's story is Sheenan's been off the island yeah. this whole time. Yeah. But obviously that's not the case. So when they're interrogating certain other patients to find out what's happened with Rachel yeah. Solando and stuff like that, you see them looking at Chuck a lot yeah, because they know that he is this, is it Sheenan? Sheen, Sheenan. Sheehan. Sheehan. That they've been yeah. so there's little looking clues for kind of thing throughout the, the film. Island. There, it, it, there's clues throughout the film that drip feed you that this, this reality is false. Mm-hmm. So um, even in the opening scene where he's on the ferry, uh, he's getting seasick. You literally meet him when he's throwing up in a toilet because um, he's got that adverse fear of water. Yeah. So that the running theme of water throughout the film is is integral because, yeah, he he can't front up to the guilt of what happened. It's involved with the drowning of the kids. So he's got an, you know, it's a triggering thing for him. So when he's over the in the ferry, he's throwing up. Um, he first meets Chuck on the boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, not anywhere else. No. Like when you meet him on the dock or anything, they first have that introduction conversation at the front of the boat when it's actually, you know, halfway through the sea. Yeah. Um, there's little things like that that showcase that he's probably a patient as well. He can't find his cigarettes when he first looks for him on the boat. He's like, I can't locate my cigarettes. Um, and then Chuck's like, oh, here you go, and always gives him a cigarette, but he also lights it for him every yeah. time. And this happens throughout the entire film. He's always handing him cigarettes and lighting them for him because if you're a patient, you wouldn't have a lighter. Yeah, and what's interesting as well is sort of similar to what you were saying, the theme is, you know, guilt, trauma, grief, and how it's also, you know, looks at sanity and insanity as a way of processing yeah. the reality. Um, but what it is is the the water is what they call in, in film theory a motif, yeah. which is essentially like a physical thing that represents something else that's yeah. always linked to the theme of it. So, yeah, it's a lot of water. And then, you know, they're caught in the rain heaps because there's, like, the hurricane. Yeah. Chuck essentially drowns. Yeah. The hurricane is also a fabrication. Mm-hmm. The hurricane itself is a fabrication because once he has the reality check that it's real, 
because all the buildings are destroyed during the time where he's actually oh, investigating right. the island. I didn't even think of that. The next morning when he's kind of, you know, basically woken up, mm-hmm. everything's pristine, every building is immaculate. So even the hurricane itself is a tool to keep him on the island in his mind. Which shows you how deep, deep the, he the fantasy is. is. Um, but it's interesting at the end, which I think we should probably get into it because it is kind of complicated as you're watching it, but it sort of makes sense later. Yeah. I think it's sort of interesting and it it deviates from the book, which I'll talk about in a minute, but sort of at the end, he's sitting down with Chuck and they're having a chat and he knows at this point, you know, he's possibly going to get lobotomized if he doesn't hold on to the Mm. real reality of what's going on. He has this this quote, he's this final line to Chuck and he says, this place makes me wonder which would be worse to live as a monster or die as a good man. Mm. Um, That's not in the book. I think it's. I think it adds to it, though. And uh, yeah, so sort of that happens, and then the doctors are sort of coming towards him. He's, you know, r- realistically probably going to get lobotomized, lobotomized, and he goes back to the fantasy. I don't think he does. Well, he appears to go back to the fantasy before that line. No, I think it, I, from think? my perspective, this is where I differ from yours. I think I'm not I, entirely sure. I think he's aware. Like I think he's in full reality. He's aware of I his guilt. I think he chooses to but pretend. I think, I think he would rather. That's the whole yeah. line. He'd rather um, be lobotomized, basically mm-hmm. kill himself um, by means of lobotomize, um, than live with the guilt. Yeah, it's essentially. So I think he's very aware of what's happened. Yeah, I think so. He's not living in that fantasy world anymore, but he doesn't want to either. But he goes, okay, I'm gonna. Pre- Tend that so I that's why he says that am delusional so that to, they just take him away. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was sort of reading into it and what I can understand is it doesn't happen in the book. No, that's but the again, only kind of read it, difference so. that I've kind of read up on as yeah, well. Yeah, and apparently, because um, I was reading into it, Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese didn't have concrete answers over the ending, um, yeah. but a psychi- psychiatric advisor basically said what you've just said, that yeah. he decides it's going to be suicide because he doesn't want to face... The, the guilt, the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting fun fact mm-hmm. on anagrams. Um, <laughs> the title of the film, Shutter Island. Truth and Lies. Is an anagram, Truth and Lies, and also Truths and Denials. Yeah. Mm. And Ted Hunt's Lies. Yeah. So it has a lot of meanings, that Shutter Island um, title. Uh, another reoccurring th- motif, you would say, yeah. in the film would be uh, the bandage on his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, is essentially a bandage for the fantasy, the guilt that he's feeling. And because that, that bandage slowly comes off his head throughout the film, like yeah. it slowly falls off. So essentially that's him containing the fantasy within his his head. Once the bandage is off, he is not containing that fantasy anymore. So it's kind of like a running motif when that kind of slowly comes off his, his forehead there. And fire is also... Um, a running motif, the opposite of water throughout yeah. the film. So Which goes into his delusions. Yeah, so... Yeah. It has the opposite effect of the water. Obviously, he can't bear the guilt of the drowning of the kids, so he builds a story up based on the fire that is what killed his wife. Um, Also, when he's speaking to the psychiatrist in the cave, there's a fire in between him and her. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially he's creating – like that is the illusion. The fire is creating the illusion that he's having that conversation with someone when in reality there is no one there. There's no one in that cave. There's no fire in the cave. No, there's no one in the cave. And I think I was pleasantly surprised. Well, not maybe not pleasantly surprised with the film, but I enjoyed the ending in the sense of sometimes it's not satisfying, mm. but it was super satisfying to have that moment in the lighthouse where every question you've had while watching that yeah, film yeah. 
is answered for you, but it's yep. not answered for you in a way that um, is full of exposition and it's like no. this is what's happening. It it does it sort of really well in that you're still in the story, yeah. but it gives you a clear understanding of what's been going on the whole time yeah. in a really satisfying way because you're like, oh, finally we're getting the answers. Yeah. It's um, done really well visually yeah. when he picks up the gun on the table and mm, it's like true. he's like, no, this gun's mine. I can feel it's loaded. I can feel it's loaded. And he's like, all right, uh, the Dr. Ben Kingsley's character goes, all right, well, then shoot me. That's the only way you can find out. And so he looks at uh, Chuck. He looks at Ben Kingsley's character, um, which I think is Chester, his name is, mm. I think. And he shoots Chester like six times. And for a quick second, as he's shooting him, blood appears mm-hmm. behind him on the wall it snaps back at Teddy for a second and then snaps back at Ben Kingsley and the blood's gone. He's still standing exactly how he was and that is just the breakdown of the of the, the reality. Yeah, and you find out, oh, it's a toy gun. Yeah, because then he looks at the gun again after obviously seeing the blood's, it's not there, he didn't actually shoot him. He snaps it in half, he realises it's a toy gun. But yeah. in his reality, that was his gun all along. And I think it was smart that they did the gun in, in that sense where it, it looks like a real gun. I'm not sure how it was described in the book, but it was a water pistol in the book. Yes. I think that might have took you out of it a little bit if they'd, Throwing a water pistol in the reality yeah. of this film. There is a split second moment halfway through the film that I picked up on on this watch. Mm-hmm. It's a split second. He's interviewing one of the other patients just to get more information on on uh, Rachel's um, Salandis. She asks the other patient asks for a glass of water to Chuck the uh, Mark Ruffalo's character. He so he walks off. Um, she scribbles something in his book real quickly, mm-hmm. and as Mark Ruffalo comes back and hands her the glass of water, what she actually is holding is nothing. Yeah, she put puts her hands up to her mouth and basically looks like she's drinking, but there's nothing in her hand, and it's only for a split second. And then, f- as she puts the, her hand back on the table, there's a glass there, which is then that's another break in the reality because her reality is she's not holding any water because it's a trigger for him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really great that you know it's really well done this film. Yeah, in in a way that like you're not supposed to pick it up the first time. No, you're not the, supposed the to pick it up until you know. Is, Brilliant. But, yeah, they, I mean, school says he's always great, but, yeah, yeah it was really... Yeah. Little clues, like, when he obviously gets there, all the guards of the hospital are really, really, ap- are like, like cold and apprehensive towards him. Mm-hmm. And the, you have the per- perception of the, oh, because there's just a, you know, a, a killer on the loose, basically, this Rachel character. But in reality, they're actually really worried about Teddy himself, like him being there, because he's, he's described later on as quite a violent... Um, patient, like he's attacked, you know, staff members and stuff. And you see him attack the other patient yeah. in the, you know, heavily guarded yeah, facility or whatever. Yeah, he ends getting he into an altercation with another yeah. patient. Um, so, yeah, like there's there's definitely different ways of looking at it when you watch it a second time and when obviously all the guards are supposed to be looking for Rachel along this cliff face. They're just sitting there. They're all just sitting there. They're not looking for anything. No, and because they know it's all a game. There was one point in it where I was starting to wonder: okay, is he a patient? Is he not a patient? Mm. Um, just given the nature of the story. Mm-hmm. But I kept being like, "Hang on, if he's a patient, why is he in whites, not greys? If he was a patient, he'd be in greys. So maybe mm-hmm. he isn't a patient. Maybe they want him to be a patient, which is the plot that they're feeding us. Yeah. But then it's answered at the end because they're letting him live they're out this fantasy, out and fantasy. that was super. Like satisfying for me, I was like, "Ah, oh, that okay, yep." Now I'm I'm on board. I understand. Yeah, but yeah, I well, I thought it was great. Um, I think it's definitely worth a watch a second time if you've seen it once, mm-hmm. just to go. There's the clue. There's the clue. I do want to rewatch clue. it. At some I reckon point for that. do it because there's like, oh, you just pick up on these little subtle hints throughout the entire film that this was like this all along. Like even like the fact that he's 
US Marshall clothes don't fit him. They don't fit. They're oversized. They don't fit him. They look like they've just grabbed it from anywhere they could just to play out this narrative yeah. to, to, to make it make it work. And then when he gets into the orderly clothes, they fit fine. They fit him very well. They fit him very well. Yeah. Um, I think it's just little little subtle clues like that. So I think uh, Martin Sorsese has done a very, very good job on creating the false narrative but also giving you breadcrumbs to kind of uncover it before it's kind of like – given to you at the end yeah. like it's not like one of those films where it's like plot twist you never saw this coming well it's it's there all along as long as you're looking for it yeah but you don't think to look for it the first time exactly. which is what makes it so impressive yeah and i think if it wasn't executed so well the film just wouldn't no. stand up and i i know that they'd gotten originally whichever studio did it, i can't remember they had the rights for the book in 2003 when it was written yeah okay. and they lost it because it took so long to do it yeah and there was another director that they were going to um, have on it it may have been Fincher I can't oh, okay. quite recall off the top of my head um, but I think it was smart that they got Scorsese because I mean we all know he's a great director but he's yeah very good he's very yeah well. there's a reason that this one worked although uh, it wasn't up for any awards normally when Leo works with him yeah it they go, get goes to award season academy awards yeah. you know Wolf of Wall Street stuff like that yeah. but um this one didn't yeah the I guess. Revenant yeah. yeah this one is surprisingly it should have been up for an award I think he does like the acting is um just really on point the whole film. Everyone everyone plays their role perfectly. Um, yeah, Mark Ruffalo is awesome as well. Um, it's also got Emily Mortimer who plays the fake Rachel because mm-hmm. um, they end up saying she comes back, but it's just um, Michelle she's like, Williams is the Michelle wife. Williams is the wife. Um, yeah, I think everyone does a absolutely phenomenal top job um, in this film. Mm-hmm. And Mark yeah. Ruffalo, just a bit of trivia for you again. Yeah, he got the role for this one because, uh, like he often does, he he sent a letter to Scorsese saying how much of a fan he was and he wanted to work with him, which yeah. is also similar to how he got the storyline in the Avengers films of the Hulk and uh, yeah, Black right. Widow romance. Oh, just, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. It's kind of creepy. There's an interview if you yeah. watch it. He's sitting there next to Scarlet, which I'm like, well, it's probably great for her. <laughs> and he, since the very beginning, he would email Joss Whedon being like, hey, I just really think that these two characters would work together in a romance. I just really think... Because you don't it be think it would, but then... Because he just wanted to kiss Scarlett. Oh, okay. Well, That's awkward. if you look into it, it kind of seems... That and she's way. just sitting there like... I mean, That's they seem to be friends afterwards, but in that interview, she looks... Awkward. Super uncomfortable, and he did it for years. Yeah, right. And eventually, Joss Whedon went, oh, yeah, I guess I could see it happening. And then they kind of dropped that plot point throughout yeah, the MCU. It, got it lasts for like in, three movies. Didn't work well. Like, mm. Felt really forced. Like, I think she had less chemistry with him than a lot of the other the counterparts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it didn't get in. So, I think that might be a trick of Ruffalo's to just bug people just until he gets what they want. Just keep people and you'll get what you want. So, that's what we'll learn from Mark Ruffalo, yeah. I think. He did He did good job. Oh, he was brilliant in the film, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. But I just thought it was interesting that it seems to be a recurring theme for him. For him, yeah. Um, I guess that kind of, well, sums up our kind of deep dive into Shutter Island. If you've got any questions or concerns or want to know more about what our thoughts are on the movie, um, you can still write into us on Twitter at mm-hmm. BingeList or uh, you can email us at BingeList and BoxOfficeHits at gmail.com. I've been having a look if anyone's been doing that. So just um, once you do, I'll reply Yep, and go from there. Um, that kind of wraps up this episode yeah. of binge list this is our third one i think we're getting the hang of it a little bit more each time we do this 
Let us know if you want more deep dives or if you want more general stuff like yeah. we were doing previously. We're very open to suggestions. Um, we're like, open to changing the episodes, yeah. whatever, because we don't really have a structure. We just like doing what we want to do. So mm-hmm. if anyone's got an idea, we'll definitely look into it. And um, if you've got any other films, TV shows we can do, but we're going to need time to get on them because yeah. there's a lot to watch. But if you've got any films you want us to deep dive in, we will like this them. one, yeah. let us know. We'll get into it. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'll we'll do this thing again if you're into it. But let us know, please. Please. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you.